welcome, 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 welcome to episode 57 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Tubuff. And it's the most wonderful time of the year. I, of course, am talking about the World Juniors. Um, if you're hearing this after Christmas, um, either they've already started and you're not listening, or um, you're probably eager to find out who's worth watching, who's the early favorite. Yep. We'll talk about that. Also, because this could be depending on when we record episode 58, this could be our final podcast of 2016. Right. So what better way to close off 2016 than give out our mid-season awards? Uh, that's what we'll open up with. Also, Yarmer Yager uh, makes more history, if that's not even possible as it is. Uh, and also, we've got more notable injuries to mm-hmm. report. Um, and we'll also talk about our teams and how we think uh, they fared um towards the halfway point of the NHL season. First off, shout-outs to all those NHLers past and present who have worn number 57 in their careers. Tyler Myers, David Perron being the most notable in today's NHL, as well as Blake Como, Trevor Van Riemsdyk also wears number 57, Tommy Wengles uh, for a bit. Uh, PJ Axelson um, for one year wore number uh, 57 for Brett's uh, Boston Bruins. Um Marcel Gotch wore number 57 for pretty much his entire career. Um, I think I mentioned Blake Como earlier, but he's worn it for a bit. Uh, Steve Hines as well um, of the Blackhawks. He, he wore number 57 uh, for, for quite some time in his career as well. So to all of them, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Yeah, let's talk about the midseason awards, uh, as Steve just alluded to at the beginning of the show. Um, yeah, it's a, it's like, I guess every team has played like around 30 games, so technically it's not the midseason, but um, it is for us, I guess. Um, we figure this is, there's not too much going on. We already recorded this week, but um, so we figured let's uh, let's do that. Let's uh, let's do um, a midseason award show kind of thing of who who we would nominate for all the uh, end of the year awards in the midseason. Um, I think we're all gonna we're both gonna have like the same people for all these because it's. Uh, pretty clear cut for a couple of these ones, but we might argue a bit um, <laughs> maybe at, at the same yeah. time. Um, I guess we can start with the heart. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to do this, but I guess I'll go first. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I think you have to take Connor McDavid here um, for a heart. Uh, he's been like the main reason why Edmonton is where they are at this moment. Um, and he has 40 points. Um, the next closest in points is Tarasenko with 38. It was like for a while there, he had like a five point lead from everyone else in the league. So, um, he's been that good. Um, he's, you know, you always have to watch him when he's on the ice. He's been the most exciting player. I know that doesn't really have to do with the heart, but, um, 
I think he's probably going to get the Art Ross. He's the early favorite for that. Um, so I think McDavid is probably is my pick. Yeah. Okay. Um, what, what did you? Um, are you just going with a winner, or did you uh, actually pick a top three as well? Because I, I oh, think the top three well, I mean, I could pick a top three too, but um, I have. I I I I was just picking winners, but uh, yeah, that's fine. I can I can pick the top three too if you want. If you also okay, want. who would who would be your second and third choice? Um, Ter- uh, Tarasenko. He's been okay. he's been the equivalent to McDavid in Edmonton as he has been for St. Louis. Um, he's which is surprising because he's not surprising that he's been doing so well because he has been for a couple of years now. But uh, you know he's uh, he's now making assists. Uh, he usually scores a lot of goals, but now he's uh, doing assists. So um, I think that's uh, he's been improved. He's improved a lot since last year, yeah, and the years before. Um, and then my third is either it's a tie between Crosby or Dubnik. Um, mm. I'm I'm leaning towards Crosby just because I don't know if Dubnik. I feel like Dubnik's gonna get more of the Vezina, and I feel like yeah. the heart is more of a uh, um, you know skaters. Although Carey Price won a couple of years ago, but um, I feel like uh, I, I I would I would go with Crosby or Dubnik for that. Okay. Um, I talked at length about Crosby before. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Crosby is Crosby. Yeah, Crosby like, is going to be in these conversations exactly. until the day he retires or the day he starts to suck. Yep. Which isn't anytime soon. Nope. Anyways, uh, my three picks uh, might be a surprise to you. Okay. Are Timmy Panarin. What? Of the Chicago Blackhawks. Panarin <laughs> for the Blackhawks. I think he's up there. Um, he's, he's got more points than Patrick Kane this year. Yeah, um, but he's not even like... In the, I guess he's fifth in points, but he's not like, I don't know. All right, whatever. Go on. Sidney Crosby. That's right. not a surprise. That's not Sergei Bobrovsky. Wow. Okay. I think Bobrovsky should be in this conversation simply because where Columbus was last year, we've alluded to it several times when he wasn't healthy. Columbus was just an average team. And you look yeah. how good they are now with a healthy and dangerous Sergei Bobrovsky in the lineup. I think he is more than capable of winning the Hart Trophy. He's been that good for them. Uh, but I think Crosby is going to get the edge simply because he played so well uh, following his latest concussion spell. Hasn't missed a beat. And before that, he dominated the World Cup yeah. of Hockey. So he's the best player in this group, and he should win. Um, but he's got some good company, I'll say that. So you're not considering McDavid at all? Not yet. Again, it's mid-season. Right. I'd like to see what he does and how Edmonton does in the second half before I, you know, give the crown to Connor McDavid. He's well on his way, but I, I think just based on how well Panarin and Crosby and Bobrovsky have played, uh, besides McDavid, I, I know McDavid leads the league in points, and he probably should be considered a candidate for the Hart Trophy. Yeah. But I'd like to see how Edmonton does in a full season before I make okay. a final, so... I guess that's fair, but at the same time, he's just been that good. Yeah. You know, he's been the main reason why they're even in playoff contention right now. So, 
um, and tied for first in the division. But yeah, I I, I, I guess I see what you're saying, but um, it's still I don't know. I I I feel like McDavid's the clear cut guy to win it. Um, I have a, considering we both had two goalies on our heart list, and they were both different ones. Uh, this might be uh, interesting here because uh, we're gonna go with the Bezina. Um, here, um, I think, um, so yeah, I, I'm gonna take Dubnik to win the Vezina. Okay. Um, here, he has a 950 save percentage, which is unheard of. Um, his goal against average is also crazy to 1.57. So at the moment, um, yeah, I would, I'd give it to Dubnik. He has a nine game winning streak. Um, I'd certainly, I'd mention, I think Bobrovsky deserves some mention too, although yeah. his stats aren't as impressive to me. Um, although they are impressive at the same time, 933 save percentage, 1.91 goals against average. Of course, this is, um, this is before tonight. So, um, all these stats could change, but at the yeah. moment, these are what the stats are. Um, and then uh, th- uh, for third, uh, it's either Tuka Rask or Carey Price. Um, I have a feeling I, Tuka has been amazing, but uh, just to show that I'm not biased, I'm going to go with Carey Price here. Uh, he has a 1.91. Goals against average. I know Tuka Rask has a lower goals against average, but um, Carey Price has a higher save percentage just by a little bit. So um, I, I would go either or with that. I know that's a little cheating, but um, I think Carey Price will be the third guy. Um, just knowing who's voting yeah. for this stuff. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you pick Dubnik as the winner, Price, yeah. and who else? Bobrovsky is the Bobrovsky. Yeah. Well, that's the exact three that I have. Sergei Bobrovsky, yeah. Carey Price, and Devin Dubnik. And I think Bobrovsky wins. Right. And here's why. Here's why. Dubnik and Price have decent help on the back end. Like, yeah, Dubnik, Dubnik has got Ryan Sear. Carey Price now has Shea Weber. Sergei's making the most of what he's got. And people forget how inexperienced the Blue Jackets defense was last year. And I would argue still is this year. I mean... Yeah, they have Zach Wierenski now, but he's relatively young. Seth right. Jones has only played, like, almost a full year with the team because it's been a full year, I think, since the trade uh, from Nashville to Columbus. Um, and, you know, pro- uh, last year they had Federer Tutin. They bought him out. Yeah. And um, and basically they're the most veteran guy they have, the most two veteran guys they have are David Savard and uh, Jack Johnson. Right. So this – this defense was made of Swiss cheese when it wasn't healthy last year. Sure. This year, they're on an 11-game winning streak. They just throttled the Penguins 7-1. to And I, I think it can make a case for every single one of these goalies to win the award. In my opinion, Bobrovsky is the most deserving because he's done more with less. And although his numbers aren't the most you know, dominant like a Devin Dubnik, um, he, he's putting up, in my opinion, just as good numbers as any other goalie in this league, if not better. Yeah, I I guess I see that argument in terms of Minnesota's defense is better than Columbus's defense, but at the same time I'm not sure like how much 
Like, yeah, Minnesota has Ryan Suter, but they don't really have any other guy um, for them. Uh, you could say the same for Montreal. Yeah. Um, with Shea Weber, and they don't really have another guy who's as great. I mean, of course, Markov and Emelin are good, but, um, you know, not like a Shea Weber type guy. But, um, but Col- does Columbus have one of those guys on defense? No, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, you could say, like, Seth Jones, maybe, or um, Zach Wierenski. But, yeah, I mean, I, I know they're not, I'm like, a Ryan Suter. They're guy. not a Ryan Suter or Shea Weber yeah. level. But, um, I don't know. I feel like it's hard for me to know exactly the kind of um, impact Shea Weber and Ryan Suter would make um on their, uh, like, for their team. Like, if you took Shea Weber and Ryan Suter out of Minnesota or Montreal, would Dubnik still put up these numbers? Probably not, but they would be pretty close. And that you could say the same for Carey Price. Um, So I don't know. But, like, my point is... Under a coach that's only been there for like two or three yeah. months is even more impressive, and I'll True. give Devin Dubnik that he deserves to be in the conversation. Yeah, but but Sergey Bobrovsky's just really come into his own this year, and you saw how good he was when he won the Vezina. He's in Vezina form right now. No, I agree. I I, I, I agree. I'm not trying to take away from what Bobrovsky yeah. has done. I'm just I just saying like I don't know how much the defense helps a goalie's out. Um, I yeah. mean, obviously they do, that's their job, but I just don't know if it's like, um, if it's so surmountable that it's like, uh, you know, noticeable, like the go- the defense has been good for Columbus, um, but, um, who knows? I don't know. It, it's just, it's just more where Columbus was last year to where yeah. they are this year and the transformation that's taking place. And that's why I lean towards yeah. Roscoe. Um, I'm speaking of, if you're going with defense, um, you could also talk about Tuka Rask, um, considering he he really only has Chara, who's been yeah. on a downturn now, um, and uh, he's certainly not a uh, uh, Shea Weber or Ryan Suter, but um, that's neither here nor there. But um, I I feel like Tuka, if he keeps it up, Tuka will probably be in the discussion. He should be in the discussion. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to win, but uh, yeah. um, he should be in the discussion. Um, just wanted to get some of my Boston homerism out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think we're going to agree on this one. Um, Jack Adams, uh, Tortorello um, is for sure uh, the pick here. Um, we've, we've been talking about this for a couple weeks now. Um, just the fact that, uh, you know, they were one of the, um, uh, they were one of the, uh, you know, one of the bottom dwellers last year. Um, and now all of a sudden, you know, I mean, with the addition of Wierenski and Poprovsky, which we'll talk about, uh, Wierenski in a bit, but, um, yeah, like, uh, just with that that addition, the fact that Cam Atkinson, all these guys are like Sam Gagne, um, the way that uh, Tortorella is making um, them play as a team is, uh, um, and now they're first in 
uh, currently. They're first in the Metropolitan, um, and uh, Tortorella is a big part of that, um, even though people hate him for the U.S. World Cup thing. So, um, yeah, I think Tortorella is definitely going to win that one. Um, Other people, I would say uh, Guy Boucher. Um, I don't think people expected Ottawa to be this good um, this early. Yeah, certainly Steve, even Sens fans didn't expect this either. Um, So uh, Guy Boucher deserves some credit for that. Um, And also, I I think uh, Bruce Boudreaux um, should deserve some credit as well. Um, Also, I think this is a good time to mention, Columbus has an 11-game winning streak. Minnesota has a 9-game winning streak. Um, Yeah. So that's pretty much why we're talking about Minnesota and Columbus now. But, yeah. Um, Sens have also won four in a row. <laughs> yeah, Sens have won four in a row, too. Yeah, I just noticed that. Well, we'll talk about that more in Bruins' Sens. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, Tortorella just got his 500th career NHL win as a coach. And, you know, he coached Tampa Bay. He coached the Rangers. He coached the Canucks for one year. Right. Now he's coaching Columbus. So to to – you know, be able to find success on almost every team he's coached is impressive. Um, you know, Scotty Bowen's the greatest gave coaches. No one's ever going to be as good as him. And he won a lot of games, but he won Stanley Cups. That's a true measure of a coach's success in this league is how many championships you win. Torts only has one championship. He's working on that. Um, what he has now that he didn't have last year is a healthy team that's on the same page, a team that's buying into what he's preaching, and a team that, as we mentioned several times in this podcast, and will probably continue to mention until they lose, they can't stop winning. Um, he had the team to be successful at this point, uh, at the, to start the season. He had the team. He just needed to coach them and he right. needed to get them to win games. That luxury was tougher to find for Sens bench boss Guy Boucher. I mean, only been behind the bench for three months. They've beaten teams like the Rangers, Montreal, Chicago. They've tightened up their defensive play. Penalty kill has improved. They're achieving some level of success with Craig Anderson on personal lead. They've won four games with Mike Condon at the helm. Um, yeah. and uh, Well, Mike Condon's improved too a lot. But yeah, yeah, he has. But, I mean, to to be where you are, you know, without a guy like Craig Anderson, who over the past couple of years, I think this team has relied on him heavily yeah, to get to where they were. And now... They're winning without him. They're learning to win as a team, which is something that they didn't do a whole lot of last year when Boucher wasn't coaching this team. Um, And, you know, Craig Anderson, during the time that he's played for Ottawa this year, he's been very good. Uh, So this year's results heading into the Christmas break, if you told me they'd be 20-11-3, I would take that in the heartbeat heading Mm. into Christmas. And, yeah, Boudreaux, I think he can challenge Boucher and towards for this award especially when you look at the wild stellar goals against average. He's only been in the ben- uh, behind the bench for three months as well. The Wild have a good team. They had a good team before he came there. Nobody sh- was sure, I wasn't sure, what to expect of Ottawa this year, um, where they were going to be at this point in the season. And they've, they've looks like they've turned a corner, and I think Guy Boucher – should be the winner of the Jack Adams. If it was to be handed out today, I would give it to Guy Boucher. All right. Well, I have a... F- yeah, 
I mean, I think he deserves some uh, recognition, but I don't know if he'll exactly win because I feel like people, like, just because I feel like it's more of a shock that from the Blue Jackets, from where they were last year to where they are this year compared to where the Sens were last year to where they are this yeah. year. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, I think, uh, I think think Boucher will definitely be nominated. I don't know if he'll win, though. Um, yeah, I, I think he deserves to be in the conversation, yeah. at least. But the fact yeah. that they're winning all these one-goal games, that they're 11-1-1 when scoring first this year, they didn't score first a whole heck of a lot last year. Right. So it's just the little things that are getting better, and Boucher has been a big part of that. So yeah. he definitely deserves to be in the conversation, and excuse my bias, but <laughs> I, I think he should win, not because he coaches for the Sens, and the Sens are my favorite team. Right. He, he, genuinely des- he genuinely deserves to be in the conversation. No, 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 I, I agree with that. At the very least. Um, I just don't I, think I, he'll I think win. Schwartz is, yeah. is the favorite, but I, if, if I was picking, I would pick Boucher. Okay. I mean, yeah, if I was picking, I'd pick Tuka Rask to win the Pheasant Cup, but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, all right, let's go to the Calder. Um, there's a lot. I was just looking at the list of all these rookies, and it's like I'm trying to think, like, oh, my God, I can't even, like, decide on who to pick here. But because uh, there's, like, five good rookies to pick out of here, six maybe. Um, and then... Um, and then I feel like I've I I started all the all my picks first, so I think you can go now. Okay, um, you, you'll um, you'll do the Calder first because I okay. I still have to think about this one now. Okay, I'll give you <laughs> I'll give out my top three. I'm pretty sure this is gonna be the same top three that you're gonna pick. Okay, Austin Matthews, obviously. Yep. Patrick Laine, mm-hmm. obviously. Zach Rowenski of the Columbus Blue yep. Jackets. That's my top three. I mean. Yep. Like, you look at Rowenski last year, he plays 36 games at the University of Michigan, 11 goals and 36 points, 9 points in 7 games at the 2016 World Juniors, goes to the Blue Jackets AHL affiliate in Lake Erie, 1 goal in 7 regular season games, the only point he got in the regular season. Then he gets 14 points in 17 playoff games. His team wins the Calder Cup. So wouldn't it be fitting if he won the Calder Trophy this year? Uh, in his first 30 NHL games, he gets six goals and 15 assists, total of 21 points, 11 of which came on the power play. Yeah. Um, he definitely belongs in this discussion for Rookie of the Year. But Line A Matthews are miles ahead of everybody in their draft class, so I think it's going to be a two-horse race between those uh, two. I mean, you look at Austin Matthews, only 10 Maple Leafs yeah. have scored at least 15 goals in a season as a teenager. <laughs> Yeah, Austin Matthews is the latest to do that. Scored four goals in his NHL debut. Rarely been done by anybody yeah. in the history. Uh, and you look at his in Patrick Laine's first thirty-five games: twenty-nine points, eighteen goals. I think he, he got he got one last night. So that's, he's also guess, tied for uh, second in goals, in the, not just for rookies, but all. Yeah, yeah he's a for top all 20. players. Top 20 score in his rookie season. Yep. You look at the names he's ahead of in the goal-scoring race. Obechkin, yep. Tarasenko, Hosa, Malkin, McDavid, Kessel, Pavelski, Voracek, yep. Sagan, Jamie Benn, Patrick Kane, John Tavares. The list goes on. Yep. And I, I think the reason I'm going to give it to Austin Matthews is because Patrick Laine has Mark Scheifele on his team, who's been yep. one of the but, better players. In but wait, 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 wait. You can't – I think I know where you're going with this, but – 
uh, Mitch Marner and William Nylander are yeah. on that team. Mitch Marner has 25 points, which is the same amount of points as Austin Matthews. William Nylander has 21 points, which is um, also there. So he Matthews has a little bit more to work with. He's, he's got a little bit more to work with, but Patrick Laine also has Dustin Bufflin and Blake Wheeler on his team. True, but I it's mean, just, it, I'm not I feel saying like that Austin Matthews isn't surrounded by talented guys. It's just Lanny has veteran leadership to lean on. Right, the but, Leafs are young. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying that, um, but like you were just about to say that Patrick Lanny has like Mark Scheifley, another guy, but Mitch Marner has 25 points, which is the same amount as Austin Matthews has. Um, yeah. So it's like, you know, maybe Mitch Marner should be nominated then. What makes that different? You know, it's, um, so, which is, I, I agree with you. I think Line, Matthews, and Warinsky are going to be uh, the three guys here. Um, sorry to cut you off, by the way. No, that's, that's fine. I was just, I was just going to, I was just going to say is that he, he's a guy who does little things, right? I mean, you look yeah. at that Anaheim goal that he scored. Just one hand on the stick, he reaches out and he gets yeah. a tip on it. That's how he scores goals. He just does the little yeah, things right. He goes to the net. Only six penalty minutes. That's yeah, he's been good for a rookie. He's been good. I I agree. I think it's just that because Mitch Marner and William Nylander are there, I feel like that's going to take away votes from Matthews. Yeah. Um, and um, I think what Line is doing, uh. Like, I feel like, like, you could really make a case for all these guys. Yeah. Um, like, for Line A, it's like, you know, he's second in the, uh, in the league in goals right now. Um, Austin Matthews has been phenomenal as well. You know, he had that four goal game to start. Um, and then he's, you know, he's still been good, uh, now, um, then you have Zach Wawrenski, especially for a defenseman to have 21 points at this t- point in time, um, is yeah. crazy impressive. Um, you know, and it's been one of the main reasons why Columbus has been so good lately. Um, but, uh, so yeah, you can make a case for all of them, but I think you have to go with Line A here. Mm-hmm. Um, just because he's like, he has 30 points right now. And that, I think that puts him in the top 10. Oh, no, that doesn't put him in the top 10. Puts him in the top 15. But, um, so he, um, I feel like like he's like a men behind boys in, in that sense. Um, he's that far ahead of other people. Although, Matthews and Marner, who are, who have 25 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think there's, there should be some, I, I'm like I'm kind of like uh, on the um, edge of the edge of this. I don't know on the side of this with um, Zach Wierenski because I feel like defensemen should like should we reward defensemen who put up a lot of points? Like that's inc- impressive that he has 21 points in 31 games. Especially for a defenseman, yeah. Especially for a defenseman, yeah. It's like goes. It's like the ghost bear argument. It's like he's the ghost bear this year. Those like like, but I feel like like that's like the the twenty one points is an equivalent for a defenseman is like the equivalent of like 
I don't know, 60 points f uh, for, like, a forward or something like that. Um, you know, if it's all said and done or whatever. But, um, so, I, it's, like, hard to, like, gauge between a defenseman, a center, or a winger, as we're doing right now. Yeah, um, I, you know. I think if Line wasn't among the lead leaders in goal scoring, not just amongst rookies, yeah. amongst... The leagues, uh, amongst the league's best, yeah. I think Matthews would have a bigger edge. But yeah. I think it's a neck-and-neck neck race between Matthews and Line right now. Because Line you're right, he's been having a great year. And again, yeah. I would know because he's on my fantasy team. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, I, like, we shouldn't count Wierenski out just because I feel yeah, like no. defenseman, like, it's a tough position to play. Um, and he's, like... He's doing really well right now on a rookie. Like, defensemen take a lot longer to develop, and, you know, Wierenski is already doing that. Um, yeah, the, so. the one thing that goes against him, though, is that he's on Columbus. Columbus yeah. has a lethal offense. Right, exactly. And that is, and it's the offense yeah. of Bobrovsky that's the star of the show. And that, uh, when you look at Matthews, uh, w when you look at Matthews and Line. They're arguably the stars of the show for for their team. Zach yeah. Rowenski is is kind of an afterthought in Columbus. Yeah, but I, if he keeps up this play. I don't think he'll be an afterthought that's for much longer. He's really making a statement this year. No, no, I, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. I just don't know if, um, but like that's a good point. Like you know, I feel like people who are going to vote for this, they they might even put like Mitch Marner um, instead of Rowenski. Um, just yeah. because, you know, Toronto media or whatever. But um, uh, other um, people that probably won't get nominated but should be mentioned, Matthew Kuchuk has been pretty good. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy VC as well. I just mentioned Mitch Marner and William Nylander. Uh, they probably won't, but they might. Travis Konechny and Ivan Provorov. Amika Rannanen's been good too, so... Um, those are all guys that should be mentioned, but I don't think they'll be nominated. Um, um, and then lastly, we're going with the Norris. Um, you want to start this off? Yeah, I think we probably... Uh, I, I, honestly, I look at the defensive scoring charts. Yep. I'm a bit surprised at some of the names that I see in the in uh, the top 20 Justin Schultz is 11th. Yeah. Like 20 points in his That's first crazy. 33 games. Ristolainen, top five. Yep. He has 23 points in 31 games. But make no mistake about it, Eric Carlson and Brent Burns are going to be neck and neck for this award, yep. I think, all season. I think so. Third yeah. choice for me would be Victor Hedman. Yeah, I was going with that too. I'm um, not sure who I would go with between Burns and Carlson, but I think it's between those two. Um, yeah. I, I think Carlson is going to win, and and here's why: because um, he, he was. I, I remember a couple of episodes ago. I can't remember which one, but I was talking about the sense transformation under Guy Boucher, and I mentioned the fact that Eric Carlson was leading the league in block shots. Took a look on Wednesday. Now second in the NHL in block shots, and that's in the league, not amongst defensemen. That's in the league, right? Like, we all know about his speed, his solid puck control, but you immediately gain recognition for this award when, when you're willing to sacrifice your body to keep the puck from going in your net. And it's the defensive play 
that has been the biggest knock on Eric Carlson. Oh yeah, he can put up points. Oh yeah, he can skate. Can't he's not really an all-around good defenseman because you look at guys like mm-hmm. Drew Doughty and Duncan Keith who kind of fed that billing. I think Eric Carlson can finally be taken seriously for this conversation. I know he's won the Norse before, yeah. but that's still the biggest knock. I think that was the biggest knock on him not winning that it last year. That he can't play year. defense, right? Yeah, but with numbers like this this year, I think he's right up there, and I think he wins. Yeah, I I think it's between Carlson and Burns, not to take away anything from any of the other guys, like Hedman, Shanker. Yeah, like Hedman's a point-of-game yeah. player, and, and like w- without Stamkos yeah. in the lineup and Kucherov exactly. for a bit, like they're leaning heavily on yeah, him. Yeah. He, just got, he actually just got a three-point game yeah. last night. So uh, yeah, not he's actually got 29 points. Yeah, now. not to take anything away from Hedman, but I think it's either Burns or Carlson. I was just yeah. looking here. So Burns has 30... Uh, points in 33 games. Carlson has 31 points in 34 games. I mean, this is similar numbers as last year, but um, that puts them both at roughly 75 points. So you can't even do it by that um, aspect, like in terms of like, oh, who's going to get more points? Uh, Because they're both going to get around the same points if they keep up the pace. Um, So... um, so I guess yeah, it's it's either who's playing better defense, which it is the Norris, um, yeah. which is the best defenseman. So um, I I have to look at the uh, Corsi numbers because I feel like that's a better judgment of uh, of it. But um, yeah, it would, it's just, it, I feel like it's going to be a tight race. But I go I was going to go with Brent Burns actually, um, but. Um, I don't know. It's tough to say it's not Eric Carlson either. So yeah, you can you yeah. can make an argument for for all three guys here. But yeah, yeah. like defensive play for the Norse, like Drew right. Doughty didn't even get near as many points as Eric Carlson right. and Brent Burns, and he won the award anyway last yeah, year. Yeah. So uh, you can't really look at a stat sheet to determine who is the best choice for the Norse. It's it's defensive play. I think that's going to win the day here. And uh, Carlson has been working on it, and he's getting results. Um, so good on Eric. He deserves to be in the conversation, and he's, he's probably going to be in the conversation yeah. uh, every year moving forward uh, if he keeps playing like this. I'm going to look at – hold on. I'm looking at um, Corsi numbers quickly. Eric Carlson has a four Corsi on and Brent Burns – Okay, so Brent Burns has a higher Corsi than um, Eric Carlson does at the moment. If if you don't know what Corsi is, it's basically um, when you're it's like a plus minus, but instead of goals, it's shots, and it counts block shots, and it counts shots that miss the net as well. So uh, that's what Corsi is. But Brent Burns has an eight point ten Corsi, and Eric Carlson has a four. Um, in that uh, category as well. So um, Burns has the edge that way. but um, He also has, um, he's also, uh, at last check, the only defenseman at the time this podcast is being recorded to score 10 or more goals amongst defensemen. Yep. He also leads by wide margin and shots on goal exactly. amongst defensemen as yeah, well. Yeah, uh, he's been really good there. Um, yeah, um, so that, I guess that concludes our... Um, award shows are probably way off now, <laughs> but, um, yeah, like, uh, let, let us know what you think, um, if you think we're idiots, um, 
then do that. If you don't think we're idiots, uh, we'd also like to hear that as well. Um, all right, let's go to the poll of the week. Um, we're going to be talking about the World Juniors um, soon, but um, I figured I uh, we, we'd make that into a poll of the week. It's coming up. Uh, I think it starts on Monday. Is that right? Yep, Boxing Day, yep. Um, so I asked, um, I didn't really know how to phrase this question, but, um, because like, I felt like I should put like an other section in here. Um, but then, you know, I, like I would leave either Sweden, Finland or Russia out. But so I have, uh, three, four options, but Canada, USA, and, uh, then the third option was either Sweden slash Finland slash Russia and then one is other and reply to us if you have that um Canada got 67% of the vote USA got 11% of the vote um and then Sweden Finland Russia got 22% of the vote so I don't know who which ones they picked but um Canada people think that Canada is going to win which makes sense considering I feel like most of our followers are Canadian um, I don't know. I, I was kind of surprised though, cause I thought USA had better team, had a better team than like Russia did at least, but, um, I don't know, not according to these people. So, um, these people also don't have any faith in Denmark winning the whole thing this year. <laughs> Is that your dark horse team? I guess we'll get to that. Well, I, I, I there, there, there are a couple of dark horse teams that like Slovakia, Switzerland, right. uh, Denmark in recent memory. They've, they've all surprised us, but I, I, I think it's going to be like you know, the big four: Canada, big four, yeah. U.S., uh, Sweden, Russia, and 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 Finland. Actually, I guess, I guess that's the top five. But right. yeah, the, it's a toss up between those five. Um, we're going with are they for real? Now both these teams are like dead last. In the- not dead last in their division. Well, for Colorado, they're dead last, but uh, great. Detroit, yeah, they're, Detroit's last two. Which, if you uh, told us this twenty years ago, um, I don't know, we might have had a heart attack um, or something because they used to be really good. Um, but now, uh, now in a salary cap league, they haven't been as good as they should be. Also, all those players that were good, like the Sackets, Yeisermans, Forsbergs, Lindstroms. They all retired, but um, yeah. but yeah. So we're gonna start with Detroit. Uh, they uh, they're um, tied for last in the Atlantic with thirty two points. Uh, they have twenty seven. They're twenty seventh in goals per game, nineteenth um, in goals against. Um, they have two point three goals per game, two point eight goals against. We're if we're talking about um. Vezinas, I know we kind of didn't mention him, but Jimmy Howard's been pretty good too, but um, he's been their only bright spot, it seems, um, for them. But um, So are they for real? Are they going to pick this up in the second half? Or are they just going to... Is their playoff streak... Um, is their playoff... Yeah, playoff streak um, in doubt? I think it's... I think it's more in doubt this year than it has been in previous years. Yeah. That's for sure. Um, 
like in five of their last six games, they've managed one goal or less. That's not good. Yep. Four of those five losses, they were exposed by the opposition four times. Um, they've needed at, at least four goals to win uh, the three December games that they've won this year. Um, yeah, they're three, five, and two in their last ten. I should yeah. mention. Yeah. Um, really bad start. Their first two games reeled off six straight to get back on track. This team, in my opinion, is streaky. They're either really yeah. good or not very good at all. Yeah, I agree um, with that. Power play is also dead last at just over 12%. Bottom five when it comes to shots on goal per game. And um, they're also in the top five, believe it or not, when it comes to power play time. So they've been getting chances on the power play. They just can't cash in. I mean, you're a top five team in the faceoff dot. What difference does it make if you can't take advantage of the chances that you get? In my opinion, faceoffs are sometimes the most overrated stat in all of hockey. Um but here's another alarming stat. 22 of their first 33 games, they were outshot by the opposition. Nine of their first 14 victor- nine of their first 14 victories, they were outshot. Sounds like a lot like the Stens from last year. Mm. Um, the good news is they have been able to get off to a good start in the opening frame. Their 21st period goals were in the top 10, but they've scored the second fewest goals in the second frame, third fewest goals in the final 20 minutes. Also surrendered the seventh most uh, the seventh most goals in the third. Yeah. Um, I said right from the get go in our predictions at the start of the year that Detroit this this team would be on on the bubble wildcard team. Yeah, and maybe they'd find a way to sneak in because they're this is a team that you really can't doubt until they're out of it. Um, but then we realized just how tough the Eastern Conference was going to be. I mean, you look at Carolina, Buffalo, and Toronto. They're better than Detroit right now. Yeah. And if they're not better, they're in striking distance. So I do not like the odds. Um, I, I think they're a non-playoff team right now, and if they don't pick it up, they're going to stay that way, and they're going to miss the playoffs. Yeah, I think uh, I think I think they're going to miss the playoffs. Um, I don't think they're as bad as they are right now. Um, and you're right; they are streaky, um, and they're also injured. Yeah, I mean, they're also injured. Yeah. You look at France and five years ago, he's barely playing now. Zetterberg is aging. Howard is hurt. Mike Green yeah. is hurt. Abdelkader's hurt. Yeah. And I like uh, I predicted earlier in the year that uh, Zetterberg was going to have a down year. He's uh, still their leader in points for them, but um, he has 22 points in 33 games. So Zetterberg yeah. hasn't been as good as he used to be. Um However, like guys like Nyquist, um, Tatar, Larkin, Man- uh, well, Mantha's been okay, but uh, those guys um, kind of need to pick it up. Um, well, yeah. I mean, they've been yeah. in the league for a couple of years. Yeah, and Tatar and, and uh, Nyquist are the big two that really need to step up. Yeah, yeah. Step Nyquist has 17 points. Um, Tatar has 14 points. Larkin has 12 points. Um, Vanek has been pretty good actually, but, uh, you know, he might need to pick it up. Franz Nielsen, their big, uh, free agent get, um, hasn't been quite as good either, but they, they both have 17 points, um, as well. Um, but yeah, they need to, um, get going in that regard. I think the thing for the Red Wings is that with, um, Howard out, um, is like, can Morazic be the guy? Um, yes, he, has, he hasn't been the guy for a while now. Um, I guess like really uh, all year, really. But 
Um, well, for the majority of last yep. year, he was. I mean, and for the majority was, of last yes. year, he was, but not this year. Yeah, um, towards the tail yep. end, Howard was was taking over his job, and, yeah. and Howard picked up where he left off. And yep. the only way Morazic's playing right now is because Howard's injured. Exactly. So and Morazic. Morazic yeah. needs to find his form. That that we can agree on for sure. Yeah, exactly. Morazic has a three goals against average, and his save percentage isn't even a nine hundred. It's point eight nine nine. Um. So, yeah, I, I think Morazic needs to pick things up. Um, especially with Howard gone. Um, and Howard's been pretty good actually. Uh, he has one point nine six goals against average, and a save percentage of. Point nine three four, so um, that's been pretty good. But uh, yeah, you know exactly. It's um, that's how it's all relying on is the goaltending, and um, they haven't gotten it with Morazic. So that um, that's going to be uh, tough for them. And I remember earlier in the year when Howard was playing well. Yeah. Um, he wasn't getting much offensive support, so he was playing well, but his offense wasn't doing much of anything. True. Yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah, and in that regard, I feel like he does deserve some, speaking of Vezina, I feel like he does deserve some Vezina credit, because he has been doing all the work, um, and he still has, like, a lot of good, he has good numbers, even on a bad team like this, but, um, at the same time, it's like, you know, he could, (laughs) um, if they were doing a bit better, he'd probably, yeah, um, you get more credit. Get, gets yeah, more credit. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, we'll go to a team, uh, another team that's in a similar position, but a little bit worse. Colorado. Um, there, I was just looking at the standings quickly. So, uh, Colorado has twenty three points in thirty two games. I think that's last in the league. Um, yep, that's last in the league, and uh, Dallas is uh, the next in line in the Central Division. They have 33 points. So uh, the next (laughs) closest team in the Central um, has a 10-point lead on the last place team. Um, So Colorado, um, they're 11-20-1, 7th, the last in their division. Um, uh, It's safe to say they haven't been good. Um, We thought that Patrick Wall leaving... Uh, was going to be good for them because, um, you know, he, ha- he wasn't a good, great coach for them. But um, maybe this Jared Bednar isn't as good either. Um, they are, I think they're last in, yeah, they're last in both goals per game and goals against per game. Um, they're pretty much last everywhere. Minus 39 yeah. goal differential, which surprisingly is last. Yeah. I think the thing that's surprising about this is that Colorado's perhaps probably the most talented team. Yeah. Um, one of the more talented teams in the league. Um, you know, they have guys like Duchesne, McKinnon, Landeskog, Barry. Um, I think I'm missing a couple of other guys, but all those... Rantanen has, Rantanen has been now. very good this yeah. year, as you mentioned. Exactly. Eric Johnson has been injured, but he's been he's he's good, too. Um and it's uh, it's kind of crazy. It's that's the one reason why I think they'll pick it up. However, Varlamov and Picard haven't been that good at all. Um, 
Varlamov has a 3.33 goals against average with a save percentage of 9.901. Picard, their backup, hasn't been as good either. He has, it's a bit better, but not as good. Um, not great either, but um, he has a 2.86 goals against average and a save percentage of 904. Um, and I feel like, so his goalies are just not good right now. Um, but uh, Duchesne has 22 points. Um, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like Colorado is like too t- good forward-wise to not figure it out. But yeah. at the same time, I'm not sure if they will. Um, so it's kind of a cop-out here for Are They For Real? So I'm going to say maybe. <laughs> um, I don't know. What, what, do you, what do you say, Steve? They are as bad as advertised. Yeah, okay. Sometimes they can't score. On the nights where they can score, their defense is terrible. And... I knew their defense was going to let them down at the beginning of the year. I hate to say I, I called it, but I alluded to the fact that their defense, besides Dallas, yep. this team is one of the most deadly in the NHL when it comes to offense. Right. Yet when it comes to keeping the puck out of the net, they are vulnerable, right. and they're showing it right now. I mean, changing coaches did not change things in the first in the first thirty games. And you know, say what you will about Jared Bednar. Yeah. He can only do so much with so little defense. True. I mean, but to be fair, to be fair to that. Eric Johnson is injured, but yeah, yeah. I mean, at the same time, the, Tyson Berry could be better. Yeah, him and Barry, they're they're basically all they've got. The rest yeah. are just and they don't even have Eric Johnson for half the year, basically. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, they've lost twenty games, and yeah. and, and like Matt Duchene, it's just it's just the tension in the dressing room. I think that's bubbling a little bit. I yeah. mean, you look at Matt Duchene after one of the losses. He said. We have two of the best goalies in the league, and we're ha- and we're hanging them out Wait, to dry. Wait, you said they have two of the best goalies in the league. Is yeah, he... well, you know, if you give <laughs> him, I think if that? you give him decent defense, they'd be doing a lot better. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I, I, I just, I don't think Varlamov and Varlamov maybe, but I don't know if they're the two of the best goalies in the league. Exactly. If they're if they're on a roll, they they can easily be like some sure. of the best goalies in the league. Like Pickard at one point took over Varlamov's job because I mean, he was playing so well last yeah. year. But and I mean, you could say that about any guy if they're like, on a yeah. roll. <laughs> you know. But yeah, I mean, no, it wasn't just because Varlamov was playing bad; it was because right. Pickard was playing good too. True. And you look at Varlamov when when they when they. Uh, I, just, I feel like it's a stretch to Toronto. say that they're the best goalies in the league. Yeah, that, that might be a stretch. But, I mean, Barlamov, <laughs> again, 3-1 win over the Leafs. He has to face 50 shots. Yeah. That's unacceptable. It's crazy. You beat a team 3-1, how do you give up 50 shots in a game? Yeah. They just got blank 6 nothing by the Leafs. They get 38 shots on goal. They couldn't score once. Yeah. I mean, th- they need to get smart and do what Edmonton did. Find the weakest link on their offense that will get them the most valuable, uh, that will get them mo- the most valuable return, and they need to make a trade. Yeah. Because... They, they need a defenseman that knows how to play shutdown defense. They have zero right now. The Oilers, yeah, they. I still think they look stupid trading Taylor Hall for just Adam Larson. But the Swede has helped them in areas they needed improvement in. Yeah, I agree the Avalanche are as bad as they look defensively. Their special teams are terrible. Players are displaying, like I said, an emotion of frustration and disappointment every time they take a step back. Uh, how much more can they take? How long until these emotions force the wrong decisions. How long until the players want out of Colorado and go on and want to go to a team that, you know, wants yep. them, that wants to win. 
Sackett yeah, and the true. front office need to wake up and they need to do something significant. And it can't be another forward that adds a lot of scoring. They've got plenty of that. They've only led four times after 20 minutes this year. As I said, worst goal to differential in the league. Go find your weak link. Get good value, not O'Reilly value. Get the best yep. value you can and do what you can to yep. make this team better today. Not in five years, today. But, because they have the team to be successful. They need defense. That uh, reminds me of uh, what um, Darren Drager tweeted out this yesterday or on Thursday. Um, late late Thursday. Uh, Duchesne, Landeskog, name a core player, and the rumors will be flying once the roster freeze lifts. Something yep. has to give in Colorado. Yeah, um, he's right so, about that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think, however, I still am a little bit of an optimist in this sense because I feel like if you have a guy, if you have guys like Duchesne, Landeskog, and McKinnon, um, like something has to give. It, it can't be that bad for that long. But at the mm-hmm. same time, their, de- you know, their defense stinks. It is one of the worst in the league. So. I feel like their offense will get better. I'm not sh- so sure about their defense, and um, maybe they're related. I don't know. Um, they, they can't. They can't wait uh, for the perfect draft pick eligible defenseman yeah. to come their way. They need to do something now, and they need to make a trade. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, like I'd hate to trade away a, a Matt Duchesne or Gabriel Landerskog or Nathan McKinnon. Yeah. but if it makes your team better, get it done. And you but need to get good value. They, yeah. You don't need a young defenseman like an Akita Zadora that they got in Buffalo right. who hasn't really gotten the chance to prove himself in Colorado yet. They need a defenseman that plays in the league today yeah. and has a proven track record of keeping the puck out of the net. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, yeah, however, I don't know if like someone's going to be like willing to uh, give a, a decent return for those guys midseason. I feel like that's a trade you make at the end of the season because just um just for logistics salary cap reasons but yeah i i i agree they need to trade one of those guys like what edmonton is doing yeah and you look at this here think about this if they continue down this path and they get the first overall pick they get nolan patrick right who's another solid four it's 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 like um you know you're, you're trading you traded away for Columbus, you trade away Ryan Johansson to Nashville, yeah. and yet you get Pierre Luc Dubois in the draft in the top three. Yeah. So like you can you can have your cake and eat, and eat it too. I don't know if that's the the proper um you know um same d- d- um, proper phrase you can use for this kind of scenario, but yeah. I mean they've they've got plenty of talent and they could get more. All right. So they need yeah. to find they need to find uh, the weakest of, of that of that top three. And they need to get decent value. All right, we need and to get probably, going. You're right. That'll probably be more of a draft day deal than a deadline day deal. Yeah, uh, we need to get going. Uh, yeah. Rapid fire. Um, we're at 50 minutes here, so. Uh, but uh, rapid fire. Uh, Bishop and Howard injured. We kind of alluded to that beforehand. Um, Tampa and Detroit are probably the most injured teams in the league. Uh, for Tampa, you have uh, Hedman, Stamkos, Bishop now, Kucherov. Um, no, not Hedman. Uh, sorry, just Kucherov, uh, Bishop, Stamkos. Um, th- that's a lot of Callahan as well. Um, Palat as well. Um, Detroit has a lot of injuries too. Um, 
So it's just an added bug for them too here. Um, I was going to, I think like Abdelkader. Yeah. Um, a couple of other guys. Abdelkader, France, and Mike Green. Mike Green, right. Yeah. Um, I have the list here. Okay. Uh, Howard Green, Abdelkader, Brendan Smith, um, Helm, Darren Helm, Joanne Franson. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, they're not doing so well, but, uh, this is rapid fire and we're short on time. So let's, yeah. let's get just, going. Just, just yeah. quickly. Do you see a Mark Andre Fleury situation where if Vasilevsky plays well for the next month and the team starts to win that Bishop, that Ben Bishop's time is evidently done in Tampa. I think um, I see that. Happen. I see it. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I had Vasilevsky and I dropped him the day before Bishop got, <laughs> uh, injured. Someone uh, else picked him up, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I was annoyed. But, um, yeah, I could see that happening, I guess. Um, it, They're it's out been, the playoff race right yeah. now. You're by the hot hand. That's what Pittsburgh did with Murray. I, and they I, I think it, it's like Colorado. I don't think you do that in season. Um, but maybe like a draft day thing before the expansion draft kind of thing. Yeah, here's the yeah. thing, though. Ben Bishop is a pending UFA. Oh, yeah, good point. And yeah, maybe you do do it then. I don't know. And you also have the expansion draft, too. You're going to have right. to protect one of your goalies. Well, that's why I'm saying you do it before the expansion draft. Yeah. So um, I think it yeah. could be a closer to the deadline where you see something happen. If they get yeah. on a roll, especially. But I didn't realize that he's a pending UFA, so maybe they do do it before the trade deadline, if this is if that's what happens. Um, milestones. Uh, the biggest one, Yager is second all-time in points. Uh, he has quite a bit to reach to Gretzky. Um, I was actually looking at this the other day. So, well, first off, uh, Gretzky is, um, incredible. He, uh, he got, um, to where Yager is when he was 23 years old. Um, I just was, uh, wondering if you knew who the next active points leader, um, for, um, besides, like, after Yager, who's the uh, current, who's the second career in points for active skaters? I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say Joe Thornton. Yep. <laughs> ah. It's not that surprising, but Joe Thornton is, has 1,300 points. But um, I, I I don't know. I thought that was interesting. I thought it was like maybe it was going to be like a Ginla or um, someone like that, but... Uh, yeah, or the, the Sedin. Joe Thornton, he played in his 1400th yep. career game. But continue on the Yager thing. Yeah, exactly. Yager. Um, but yeah, it's like, I, I could see Yager. Like, so Yager has 1,888 points right now. He broke it yesterday, um, as he uh, mentioned in the interview. It was in the middle of the game, too. Um, which was, I was annoyed because it was like, come on, just keep on playing. It was like, we get it. Yager is good, whatever. Uh, but, uh, so they interviewed him in the middle of the game, um, when he got the point and he, uh, he said that it hit his ass. Um, <laughs> when it, he got the assist and it hit his uh. ass. Um, but, um, which it did, but it was funny. Um, so Yager has, uh, a 1,888 points. Oh, Rain Gretzky has 2,857 points. Um, and uh, so Gretzky is pretty good. 
um, it's safe to say. You know what's also shocking about that stat? What? Wayne Gretzky is 15th all-time in career NHL games played. Yeah. And Yager's ahead of him. <laughs> and he's still almost a thousand points ahead of Yager. Yeah. I mean, I think like, that no one's gonna no yeah. one's gonna break that record. Number ninety nine is gonna yeah. stay number one yeah. until the end of time, in my opinion. It's true. Uh, even if even if Yager didn't he go to the, the KHL, uh, it didn't go to the KHL for three seasons. I yeah. think he still wouldn't be able to catch him. Right. I think getting to two thousand points is more realistic. Yeah, that, that's really the question. Is like if the NHL hadn't been locked out. And if Yager didn't go to the KHL, would he make it? Would he no. beat Gretzky's? I don't think he would, but he'd probably be pretty close, though. Yeah, um, he'd be I closer guess. than he is today. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think 2,000 points is more realistic number for Yager. He probably would have been. He and, might. And he, just won, yeah. he doesn't play for the stats. He just plays because he likes to have fun. Exactly, and uh, he may have. He may have 2,000 points, but. Um, if he plays ten more years, he'll probably be close, but I don't think he'll you never, you never know. come close. Yeah, I don't know if he'll do it though. Uh, yeah, we just mentioned that uh, Jumbo Joe played in his fourth a thousand four hundredth career game. Uh, Lundqvist ties Hasek for most wins for a European goalie. Uh, could when you're hearing this, he could have already broke it. Um, yeah. If they win tonight, I don't know if this is recorded on Friday. Um, Andrew Cagliano um, has an Ironman streak um, as yeah. well. Um, He's now it's now at seven hundred and thirty-eight games and counting. He tied yeah. Bomaster for the fifth longest streak in league history. He only needs two hundred uh, over two hundred games to tie Doug Jarvis for the longest Ironman streak. I don't know if he's right. going to do that, but yeah. since his rookie season, he's never missed a single game. Knock on wood. Knock on wood. I probably yeah. just jinxed him. <laughs> and you look at guys like Sid the Kid and Connor McDavid, who have more offensive upside than this guy has. Right. who have played at the highest level and have suffered significant injuries already in their careers, uh, it's almost I mean, impossible to stay this healthy. And Cogliano has done that, and good on him. Well, to be fair, McDavid's only played like a half, a, one and a half year. Seasons, well, yeah, but, but yeah, he's yeah. had a significant injury, though. Uh, Cogliano but, yeah. hasn't. He hasn't uh, missed one game. Again, I mean, I'm just, I'm like, yeah, okay, I get, I get what I'm you're just, saying. I'm just stating the importance of, of this yeah, milestone. Yeah. Like, it might not be a big deal to some people, but... No, Ironman streaks are big. I'm just, like, just compared to, like, McDavid, who's who has a young career. It's like, he, yeah. he's he's only had one big injury so far. Uh, the World Junior, um, we alluded to in the poll of the week, but we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, you know a bit more about this than I do, so I'm going to let you talk for a bit. Um, okay. But um, I will have some peace in saying, uh, I was just looking at the rosters here. Um, it looks like, as always, Canada is the favorite. Um, mm-hmm. They have Matthew Berzal, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, um, Jake Bean, Dante Fabro, Jeremy Lazan. Um, Thomas Dylan Strom. Prospect. Yeah, I could go down the list basically, which yeah. I just did. Um, so uh, they uh, they are the favorite. Um, I was just looking at like like you know a lot of these guys. Like whenever I look at these rosters, I'm like oh I've heard of these guys. I remember them when they were drafted or whatever. When I was looking at like Russia, like I couldn't recognize any any one of their names. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so maybe maybe that's just my ignorance. Um, maybe I should know some of these guys, but I did like I like it's just a, like a lot of like random words put together. Um, not even words, just jumbled words together. Yeah. Um, so, but um, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Uh, USA, uh, they have a lot of BU uh, people and people from uh, uh, Bruins prospects, uh, most notably Charlie McAvoy and Ryan yeah. Lindgren um, as well. So, um, yeah, I'll let you talk, though, because I know you know more about this than I do. So yeah. <laughs> I'll plead ignorance on everything. Well, uh, I, was, I was trying to look at uh, for, for some guys who were – upcoming or you know up and coming uh, who are eligible for 2017 and the main person that came to mind was nolan patrick but because right. he's injured and not playing for team canada that's not going to happen so i just yeah. decide to stick to guys who we know have been drafted we know what oh, they're yeah. going to do now it's just and i also heard that um alex uh, logan brown and um, alex Sabrinka are are cut from the U.S. team for some reason, even though they're both really good. I don't know. Well, Logan Brown's hurt. Yeah, but Alex Sabrinkat apparently had like he didn't get a like he had bad practices, um, yeah. and they just decided to send him home, even though he's the leading goal scorer in the OHL. Yep, or something like that. Mm-hmm. He's he, he's definitely got uh, he's definitely got talent, but uh, I guess. Yeah. Not not uh, I guess the not just talent that you you need in order to make the the world junior rosters but yeah. uh, again like there there's a lot of talent on this team um and I think the easiest way to really evaluate talent is see how they perform on the big stage um but just looking at some of the names that we know have been drafted by NHL teams they're on the radar uh Pierre-Luc Dubois the guy that uh, the Blue Jackets decide to take over Jesse Puliarvi um, in last year's draft in the yep. top three, um, hasn't been dominating the QMJHL since uh, training camp with the Blue Jackets and the Cape Breton Screaming Eagles, his junior team, has since dealt him to the Blaybell ball brand Armada. Um, at least that's what the headlines say. Um, he went from 10 goals and 45 points in his first year to um, 99 points in 62 games in year two, and he went from 10 goals to 42 in that season. Uh, just 18 points and six goals in 20 games this year, but um, I, I think maybe this tournament is the perfect storm to get his uh, to get his game back on track. So I'm interested to see what the Blue Jackets have in that guy, Tyson Yost of the Colorado Avalanche. Well, not of the Colorado Avalanche. He's They're playing for the University yeah. of North Dakota. Um, he, um, I think Fighting Zeus is their team name. If I'm not mistaken, I could be wrong. But playing for the University oh. of North Dakota, I this think they is a changed guy... their name, but I forget what they changed it to. Oh, okay. Anyways, yeah. Sorry, um, I believe that's that's the same program that Jonathan Taves. Yeah, that uh, is attended. So uh, and obviously Zach a highly regarded program. There. And Zach Parise and TJ Oshie. Yeah, a lot of talented players yep. to come out of that system. Uh, so Tyson is um, the latest to come through that system. Drafted in the top 10 by Colorado last year. Um, he really started to pick up his game in the 2015 BCHL playoffs. Um, 10 goals, 14 points, 21 games. And, 
and he went from 23 goals to 42 goals uh, from his first BCHL season to his second. And then his point total doubled from 45 to 104. Uh, and then he equaled his total from the V's 2015 playoff run. He had 14 points, and he did that in just 11 games. Um, so what's all impressive is that the BCHL is a level lower than the CHL. He did all of that and got drafted in the top 10, which is impressive. Yeah. Uh, to not go through the CHL and get drafted in the top 10, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, this is his first chance to play at the World Juniors. Um, in some of the pre-tournament games, he looked pretty good. Only 5'11", 18 years old. So he's appealing to me for the fact that his path to the NHL has been battle-tested at so many levels, and he always seems to get better with every adjustment. Um, and he likes to play at a fast tempo too. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, on these odd man rushes where there's a lot of speed on the ice, how he performs in that regard. Um, so like you said, Canada has got no shorts of prospects. I'm looking at Thomas Shabbat simply because he's a sense prospect. You mentioned Strom, Dylan Strom, Matt Purcell, Jake Bean, Carter Hart, the goalie was drafted by Philly last year. He's one of the goalies, Michael McLeod, um, Got talent, but um, I yeah, think character issues have, have, have been a bit of a question for him. So it'll be interesting to see how he performs as well. So I think Canada's going to be up there. Um, like you said, the U.S., um, Colin White, again, sends prospect that I'm looking out for. Yeah. Um, Point-a-game player with Boston College in his first year. 17 points in his first 18 games this year, 10 of which are goals. Um Played in the tournament last year, three goals, four assists in seven games, uh, got a bronze medal as well. And he's been, uh, comparisons have been drawn to him and, Carl, and Kyle Turris, who plays in the Sens now. So, uh, interested to see what he brings. As you mentioned, Charlie McAvoy, um, same ro- a USA roster that Colin White was on. Um, and and he, he's been putting up decent numbers as well. First round pick of the Bruins, like you said last year. Mm. So you're probably going to be watching him closer yep. um, than I will. Um, just <laughs> looking at some of the other players. On Ryan some of the other Lindgren teams. is also a Bruin. If we're talking about Bruins prospects, Ryan Lindgren is also another Bruins prospect. Okay. And um, Jeremy Lazan of Canada um, is a Bruins prospect too. And also here, uh, did Jake Odinger make the team? For USA? Yeah. Um, he's a goalie and he's upcoming and he's eligible yeah, for the he upcoming did. draft. He, he did. did, okay. Yep. So he could be another name to watch out for. Yep. Um, Jakob Zaborl, Bruins prospect. He was the yep. first of the back-to-back-to-back picks in the 2015 uh, draft. They got that pick thanks to Milan Lucic for Martin Jones trade. Um. And, and he's been playing pretty well for a defenseman. 33 points in 40 games in his first yeah, year with the, the St. Czech, John We're Seagulls. on the Czech side now, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, talking about the Czechs, but still sticking yeah. with the Bruins I, prospects. I didn't know where you were going with that, but yeah. No, yeah, <laughs> no. Um, he's, he's equaled his goal total from year two in his third season. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, uh, we have a lo- I, there's a lot of defensive Bruins prospects here, so that's exciting yeah. at least for that. From that he's perspective, not, if you're a Bruins fan, you watch for all these defensemen. Um, our defense has been pretty good lately, but um, yeah. but uh, yeah, uh, we have more coming, not just Carlo 
And judging by there. judging by the penalty minutes he's racked up, he's not afraid yeah. to get dirty either. He's re- he's eager to mix it up as well. So yeah, Jakob yeah, yeah. could be an interesting pick. Uh, Philip Schlappick, who I'll mention uh, a bit later in the Bruins Sense segment, the Sens, um addressed his future with the team. Um, he is also uh, s- supposed to play for the Czech Republic, so okay. he's another guy to watch. So um, probably probably one of the more dominant right. players. I feel like. Uh, so I don't know if you're just going to list off all these guys who you want to watch. Can we just, can I get your opinion on who you think's going to get gold, silver, and bronze? Okay. Okay. Um, uh, I think Sweden is going to get bronze, even though they have Alex Nylander, um, who is, who is a Sabres draft pick. I mean, only season in in the OHL, he gets over seventy points. That's pretty yep. tough to do. And we all know how good William is. Alex is yep. just as good, in my opinion. Okay. Um, Joel Erickson Eck uh, has some NHL experience to him. Uh, five points. Yeah, in Minnesota his first guy, right? Yeah. So I, I, despite all that, I, uh, despite all that, and the prospects that they have, um. I'm just Sweden. not sure what to make of the Swedes yet. They're that team where they could be dominant, okay. but once they get into the knockout round, they could be vulnerable. So, so I, I think I'm going to take Sweden as the third place. Bronze. Okay. Um, while I like Sergachev and Russia, uh, I don't think they're going to medal this year. Okay. Um, I think Canada is going to take second. Okay. Um, and I, I think Finland. Is going to win gold again, okay. although that won't be easy because no team since Team Canada went on that five peat run uh, when they won gold from 2005 to all the way to the 2009 World Juniors, no team has repeated in this tournament as champions. Oh wow! Well. So that'll be tough for Finland, uh, especially when arguably. Uh, their main returning player is Ole Uolevi, who is also right. their captain. I mean, he had a good year with London. Uh, Top five pick by the Canucks last year, but uh, they, they've got – the reason I, I picked Finland to win the World Cup of Hockey and the reason I'm picking them to win the World Juniors this year is because they just have that peskiness to them. They just seem over the last couple of years to find a way. You can never count them out. They've got a ton of 2017 eligible players, so they're probably going to be motivated to make a statement, not just Ole Uolevi. Um, I, I think this team could surprise, and I think they're going to win gold. But yeah. um, if you remember how my prediction fared at the World Cup of Hockey, it did not do well. So <laughs> I could end up regretting this, but kidding. I think Finland's going to win. Yeah, Finland. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll, I mean, we'll probably, we'll keep on talking about this towards yeah. uh, next week and whatnot. So um, I, I feel like you would have gone on forever if we kept on yeah. doing that. Um Let's go to Bruins and Sens segment here. Um, I guess I'll start. Um, not much has happened since since this is recorded on Friday. Uh, they play Carolina tonight, but um, they played uh, while we were recording last week's episode, or I guess this week's episode. Um, they um, they we uh, Bruins were playing the uh, Kings. Um, that was the score. It uh, turns out where it was one nothing Bruins. Um, so they shut out the Kings, uh, which was a huge victory for them. Um, it was at home. 
Um, and then on Tuesday, so I was looking forward to being like, oh, hey, uh, we might actually have a streak going and whatnot. Um, we don't have, we didn't have Pasternak, but um, we lost to the Islanders. That's a game we should win. Uh, Islanders aren't doing so hot now, but um, we just gave up a lot of fluky goals at the beginning and just never got our groove going. Um, so, yeah, I think, if, I think if Rass plays decent in that game, they win because they because yeah, exactly. they got fifty shots on target. So yeah, we were we were out we were out playing them too. We just weren't doing so well there. Yeah, um, they're just not enough finish. Yeah, it just wasn't enough finish. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, we lost that game. Uh, Pasternak and uh, the return of Frankie Vitrano um, was on Thursday. Um, Frankie Retrano, if you don't remember, was, uh, like, a unsung hero last year. Um, he was, uh, like, a UMass player. Um, he was, like, kind of an unheard of prospect, undrafted guy. Um, and then he started, he was, like, one of our better players towards the end of the season last year. So, uh, he was injured for most of the season, and then he returned on Thursday, uh, he got his he got his first goal in that game as well. Um, I don't honestly I don't think he's going to be as good as people expect him to be, Vitrano, just because he. Uh, but um, it is good to see that he's scoring and back to what he was before. Um, and I think currently he's on the third line. He might be. Yeah, he's on the third line with Austin Starnik and Riley Nash. But um, if he continues to play this well, I could see him be moved up to the second line, maybe first line. Um, but uh, he's a good like Bruins are having trouble scoring now, so it's a good good to have more depth in that regard. Um, hopefully, Vitrano continues what he was doing last year. Um, but yeah, so uh, we won three one against the Panthers. Um, and, uh, now we play Carolina tonight, um, before the Christmas break, um, the short Christmas break. Um, yeah, it's one of those things where we're still in third place in our, in our Atlantic division. I feel like we could be doing better, but I like where we are at right now. Um, yeah. And, uh, let me look at the schedule for next week. Um, we play, uh, Columbus on Tuesday, and then we That'll have, be a tough one. and then we have a, a quote-unquote home on, home and home with yeah. Buffalo on Thursday and Saturday. I don't know if, is it a home and home if it's three days, if it's in three days instead of two days? I don't it know. depends if Buffalo plays again, um, in, in between those two. Okay, I don't think they do. So, but it's so we play Buffalo at home at their home on Thursday, and then on Saturday, um, New Year's Eve, we play uh, we play Buffalo here at home. So, um, yeah, um, I feel Columbus is going to be tough for sure, uh, but Buffalo or those two Buffalo games are should be uh, games we should win. Um, yeah, but knowing the Bruins, that it's not going to be that easy, uh, <laughs> considering we lose two bad teams all the time. It seems so. Um, yeah, uh, that's the Bruins. <laughs> <laughs> all 
Well, for for the Sens, they I got to admit, I, I I like where where they're at right now. Yep, uh, they beat they beat the Islanders handily six to two on Sunday. Although final two tallies came with the net empty. Yep. Um, or two goal was shorthanded. It, nice to get uh, a shorthanded goal to kind of deflate the other team there. Uh, Derek Bassar got it too, which is nice. Um, and like like I said, it, the Sens shut it down shortly after that. Um, unfortunately, there was some bad news in his first start since his return from a groin injury. The Hamburglar is injured again. This time it's a high ankle sprain mm. and he's week to week. So, Oh, did they call him back up? I guess they did. Uh, well, yeah, Matt O'Connor is backing up Mike Oh, Connor. okay. Um, so with Anderson still on personal leave, you would think that spells trouble, but it right. hasn't yet. Um, yeah, Mike Connor's been good. getting all the results. He played in all uh, four of the games during their winning streak. Uh, by far his most notable win came in Chicago. Ottawa defeated the Blackhawks 4-3. to Their first win at the United Center since 2001, back when Marion Hossa scored for Ottawa in that victory. Oh. He's now playing on Chicago, as we all know. Right. Um, while they were in tough for basically the Seems entire like game. years they, ago. Oh, they, yeah, they it was years ago. Yeah. Um, held on at the end. They, they, the Chicago got a penalty shot. Condon made a big save. Wasn't really tested, but again, um, anytime you can hang around with, with the top team in the league, it, it's impressive. Yep. Um, did, did you want to add something there? No, no, no. Go on. Sorry. Okay. Okay. Um, then they go home, they host the Ducks, win an OT despite managing just 18 shots on goal. Um, not like the Ducks outplayed them because if you look at the score sheet, they only managed 25 shots on goal themselves. Um, and they avenged their loss to Anaheim, which was oddly enough the last time they lost in regulation. That was about two weeks ago. Uh, as we mentioned before, 2011-3 heading into the Christmas break. They've won 20 games. If you asked any Sens fan, if you asked them on the street today, uh, back a couple months ago, if you'd be satisfied with the 2011 and three record at the Christmas break, they'd probably say, "Hell yes. yeah, <laughs> we we definitely be uh, we yeah. we definitely take that." I mean, they they've uh, in uh, the 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 good news apparently um, continues to flow in from. Yep. Outside the ice surface as well. Um, just recently, they signed uh, Czech prospect Philip Schlapik to a three-year entry-level deal. Uh, as I mentioned in the uh, World Junior um, analysis, there he is going to be playing for the Czech Republic at the World Junior. Yeah. So another sense prospect to watch. There's no shortage of them this year. Um, so, like I said, their second-round pick in 2015 played three seasons with the QMJHL's Charlottetown Islanders. He notched 75 points in 64 games in year number one. Year two, 54 points, 52 games. 44 points in his first 26 games this year. Those numbers include 20 goals. And uh, he's on pace to break the 33-goal mark he set in his rookie year. Um, And while they haven't received an official word as to when he will be back in the Sens lineup, all signs are pointing to a potential, keyword potential, return for Clark MacArthur, which is great news for everybody. Um, he just needs to pass a concussion test and they'll go from there if all is well. Um, and when that happens, one can only wonder who they're going to send to Binghamton because Ryan DeSingle continues to play well. So I think it'd be a mistake to send him down considering that he's playing too good. I think either Tom Pyatt or Curtis Lazar, although they've, they've played pretty good minutes for the team this year, 
Um, and Tom Pilot, uh, Tom Pilot has contributed a decent amount offensively as well. But I think either him or Curtis Lazar uh, get sent down to the minors if uh, MacArthur comes back because I think Dezingle's playing too good. I, I have a question. Um, okay, sorry. But uh, I, I think another also I think another potential scenario is that Clark MacArthur is sent down to Binghamton for a conditioning stint and they go from there. Okay. Because I, I don't know if you want to put him into NHL action right away. Yeah. But we'll, we'll see how that works. And uh, just taking a look at their schedule, uh, after the Sens visit the Rangers on the 27th, they will host Detroit on the 29th. And that is significant because they will retire their first jersey number in modern franchise history. That would be Daniel Alfredson's number 11. It will be raised to the Raptors December 29th against the Red Wings, the other team he played for. Um, and then they kick off 2017 versus Washington on January 1st indoors. Yeah. <laughs> Not an outdoor game. It's an yeah. indoor game. <laughs> uh, I got a question for you. Uh, yeah. has been pretty good um, in Anderson's absence. Do you think when Anderson comes back, do you think Condon will be the starter? Anderson starts. He's okay. still the guy. But Condon has proven that if they need a solid plan B, he's their solid plan B. And unfortunately for Andrew Hammond, um, he, as long he's as Mike Condon continues to play this good, he doesn't have a spot on this roster. Okay. But it's still Craig Anderson's but, team. Okay. Interesting. Um, and also, do you think, this is just in general, do you think Ottawa Senators' first half success is going to be as good? Like, is, it, is that going to continue? To the second half. Well, I would, I, I, I hope so. I hope it continues. Um, but I, again, it's it's just continuing to remain consistent. They need sixty minute efforts. That was their problem last year. That's what they didn't get enough of yep. was the sixty minute efforts. And I think the more and more of those that they play, I think uh, they're going to be pretty good going into the new year. Um, oddly, oddly enough, I'm just taking a look at their schedule actually. After they visit Washington, they get one, two, three, four, five days off. Well, then they host Washington. Right. And then they host Edmonton Sunday the 8th, the night after. Well, so they And get, then they yeah. get three days off. They host they the get. Penguins on the 12th. And then so they, they host the Leafs on the 14th, the Saturday. Yeah. And then they also got St. Louis, Columbus, Toronto again. Columbus again. Yeah. Uh, Washington. They faced Washington three times in January. Well. So they've got a huge month of January. They don't have. They, they've yeah. got a lot of resting time in between all that. But they've got some very tough teams. So January is going to be a very big month. Yeah. Uh, for the Sens moving forward, not just uh, the last stretch of December. They're really going to have to pick it up uh, in January, and I think January. Uh, I know we say every month's a statement month. I think this is probably the mother load of them all that yeah, I've yeah. seen so far in the regular season. Yeah. So um, when you face Pittsburgh once and the Capitals three times and Edmonton once and St. Louis once, um, and like you said, Columbus a couple of times, um, th- those are some very tough challenges coming Ottawa's way. Yeah. So I think if they lay off the turkey and they come rested, rested up and ready to go and they continue to roll, I think their success will continue, but I think yep. January it's it's going to be a big month for them. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, every month is a big month, but yeah. <laughs> um, 
All right, uh, social media stuff. Uh, Lace, you can uh, like us on Facebook. Um, Lace them up podcast. Um, we uh, I do a preview of every game. I pick three games every night um, and preview them. Um, the uh, we have Twitter. Um, we're usually up to date on just news and stuff like that. Um, you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud, uh, so follow us on that, um, if you haven't already, um, or subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Um, you can also email us anything, uh, literally anything, um, at laceupbag at gmail.com. Um, yeah, that's it. Um, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, everything. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth, and uh, just um, just a, a quick note, as the World Juniors uh, come up, um, in the next couple of days, I'm going to be posting previews of all, all the teams that are taking part, players to watch, etc., yeah. etc., so cool. we'll have more stuff on the World Juniors, as usual, follow the Twitter account for more information. Until then, if we don't speak to you in 2016, uh, before uh, 2016 wraps up, we'll talk again in 2017. On episode 58 of the Lace Em Up podcast.